0: here trying to help you. I'm here to give you what it took me 30, 30 years in ministry to get. We're we'll going to start reading verse number 17. It says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, what is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now that's what we're talking about today. Be filled with the Spirit in our series Via number one, we finished understanding uh, what the word of the Lord is. We did six tapes, but now we're going to put it in its context, understanding God's vision, understanding God's vision, all right? And And the first thing God wants to do is be filled with the Spirit. Now, we've gone over some things that brought us here. We talked about Be holy. Renew your mind, free fornication. Now we're talking about be filled with the Spirit. We're talking about giving thanks to the Father. See, we went over some things, but now we're in the one that says be filled with the Spirit. Because if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're not going to be giving thanks to the Father. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you can't live holy. See, all these things, you're not going to flee fornication. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. Now, we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We told you that. Let's go back and show you a couple of those. Let's look at Romans chapter 15. Now, this, this is just so awesome in Romans chapter 15. I hope you mark this in your Bible. Romans chapter 15, we're going to look at two verses, and that's verse 13 and verse 14. Now, the God of hope. Fill you with all joy. Isn't that something? The God of hope fill you with all joy. Somebody said, fill me, Lord, with all joy. Say, fill me, Lord, with all peace. But God told us how it's going to happen. You got to hear the word, and you got to believe the word. All right? So the Bible says right here, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, in believing. So the word got to be ministered to you and you got to believe it. God will fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Why do you need to be filled with the Spirit? That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch what Paul says in verse 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness. See, you're talking about filled the Spirit. He's talking about, full of joy, full of peace, full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. See, all that's being filled with the Spirit. And then he says, why? Because now you'll be able to admonish one another. Able to admonish one another? Are you able to admonish one another? See, you're going to have to minister to somebody else. That's why you need to be filled with the Spirit. All right, now let's go back because we talked about uh, Romans 12, let's go back to Romans 12 while we're there. Romans 12 told you to re- renew your mind. Now, all of this is on the podcast. As a matter of fact, we want to thank God that we're up to date now on our podcast. Romans chapter number 12, verse 1 said, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable of service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, watch this, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, and watch this, perfect will of God. Well, how are you going to know the will of God for your life? You're going to have to be renewed in your mind. See? So we talked about that already. Got a series out there. Got a couple out there. You got to be holy. You got to come to a place where you flee fornication you got to be filled with the Spirit. you got to be giving thanks to the Father. Let's, let's look at a few more, because God told us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, abstain from fornication. But we're going to go now and look at the one First 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. See, all of these are, we read the one this morning, 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's look at, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. See, all of these are so good, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And let's look at verse number uh, 12. He gave us finally instructions. I like that. In verse number 12. 1 Thessalonians five twelve. We beseech you, brethren, know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly for their work's sake. And, at, and be at peace among yourselves. Well, how are you going to be at peace if you ain't got the peace of God in your heart? We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble minded support the weak, be patient to, toward all men. See that, none render evil for evil unto any man. Don't, don't render evil to any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Then he told us, which we already did, rejoice forevermore. Now we'll be at verse 17 hopefully next week because we're going to start teaching it in this service prayer hopefully that'll be our word for next week prayer amen all right but look at what God told us look what God told us we're gonna go to uh, uh, if Romans I'm sorry first Corinthians 615 first Corinthians 615 let's let's look at that first Corinthians 615 see God wants you to be holy why because you are the body of Christ first Corinthians 615 Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? That's why you got to be holy. We are the body of Christ. Then shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Then he said, what? Know ye not, you, no, not that he was joined to an harlot is one body? For two says he shall be one flesh. But he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Then he going to tell you again, flee fornication. Every sin that a man does or doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sins against his own body. Then verse 19 says, What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God, in your body and your spirit which belong to God. So this house belongs to God. So that's why we ought to be doing that. Now, remember, I'm going to give you a couple, showing you things, what happened when God built a house. Now, let me show you first that God gave the vision to Paul. Let's go to Acts uh, chapter 22 first. Because God gave his vision to Paul. So, so the will of the Lord is the vision. Now watch this. He gave his vision to Paul. Acts chapter 22 and verse 11. That's where we're going to go. God gave his vision to the Apostle Paul. So when God said be filled with the Spirit, that's in your new covenant. That's in your New Testament covenant. And God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 22 and verse 11. And when I will come to, Paul says in Acts 22, and when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came to Damascus. One Ananias, the devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came to me and stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked upon him, and he said, The God of our father has chosen you, Paul, that thou should watch this, know his will. Now his will, when, when Paul came to know his will, his will, now he has the vision. Once he know God's will, let me say it again, he now has the vision. So you you don't have vision from God unless you know God's will. All right? Now watch this. In verse number 14 again. And he said, the God of our Father has chosen you, number one, that you should know his will. Or that you should have his vision. All right? Number two, you're going to see that just one. And number three, you're going to hear the voice of his mouth. Number four, that you shall be his witness unto all men of what you have seen and heard. So God's going to give his vision to the apostle Paul. All right. Now, that's very important. Now, I want to I be able to show you some things in the Old Covenant. I want to show you 1 Kings. I want to show you something. That you understand why God wants you to be filled with the Spirit. Not just having the Holy Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. All right, so 1 Kings chapter number 8. I'm just going to you, show you something here. 1 Kings chapter 8. Now, we know Solomon built God's house. So let's look at what happened in 1 Kings chapter 8. Now, if you go backwards, you'll find out that if I go all the way back to Acts chapter number... I'm sorry, if I go to Exodus chapter 25, where do we go there? It's okay. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 25. If you look at these things, you can trace... What, what God had in mind, what God had in mind. And, and, and we go all the way back. Now, here's Israel coming out of Egypt. They know nothing about what God is telling them, so God got to give them the wisdom to do this. So, so Exodus, Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 and 9, those two verses where what we want to look at right now. God wanted them to build him a sanctuary. And verse number 8 says, and let them make me a sanctuary. That's what God wanted. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Why did God need a sanctuary? Why did God want them to build him a sanctuary that he might live among his people? So what was God's whole plan? To live right in the midst of Israel. But they had to build him a sanctuary like he wanted. All right? Now, that's where they started out. But if we go on, we're going to see they call it a tabernacle. I'm not going to go through all of them, just give you that word. They're going to call the tabernacle. But then we're going to go over to a king. They're going to call it the temple. So we got to understand that this is where God wants to live. So a lot of people is telling you, yeah, Jesus is going to come back when they build the temple in Israel. Listen, church, it was the Lord who told the temple down you got to go back and look at when Jesus on the cross, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. There was a great earthquake. What you think what happened the earthquake? See, you got to understand it was him who tore it down and he built a new one. Don't you know Jesus said on this rock, I will build my church? So if he built his church and we now the church and we now the temple, I'm going to show you in a moment, we are the temple. That's why I showed you in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. No, you're not your body, is a temple of the Holy Ghost. See, God's not building no building for him to live in. God wants to live in you. That's why he told you to be holy. Because he's holy. All right, look at 1 Kings chapter 8. Now, in 1 Kings 8, we want to look at verse 11. Watch what it said. Now, remember, Solomon brought the ark of God into the temple. Why? And verse 11, says, so, so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. Once that ark came into the temple, the cloud came into the temple. The, then the Bible said, we read now, in 1 Kings 8, 11, it says, because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord... Has filled the house of the Lord. God called his temple the house of the Lord. Where if he's gonna fill his house with glory, now that today you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, what do God wanna fill your house with? Glory. What is the glory? It's the fruit of the Spirit. My God, my God. You, if you look at this plant right here, this plant right here has flowers. What is it saying to you? You are seeing the glory. See, all of these plants, all of these flowers are showing you the glory. See, it was a seed. It used to be a seed, but now it's a flower. See? It used to be a seed, but now it's a flower. What are you seeing? You're seeing the glory, the finished work. See, you are seeing 30, 60, the hundredfold. See, the hundredfold is the glory. So that's why when you see the thing that God is talking about, you're seeing the glory. And that's what what the Holy Ghost did when he came into the temple. He filled the temple. That's why you saw the glory of the Lord, the fullness of the Lord. All right, Now let's, let's look at another one. Remember he called that the house of the Lord. Look at Second Chronicles 7:11. 2 Chronicles. Now remember, you got kings. you got to go forward. Do you want into chronicles? Second Chronicles chapter seven in verse 11. just want to show you something because I, I want you to think about how important you are. Because now you're the temple of God when you're saved. And God wants your temple to be filled with his glory or filled with the fruit of the spirit. All right. Now, 2 Chronicles 7, 11. So Solomon finished the house of the Lord. Watch this. And the king's house. He finished. And then all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he prospered. Effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this place to myself. I have chosen this temple to myself. Watch this for a house of sacrifice. So that's why when you hear Romans chapter 12, what did it tell you? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See? So that's why you got to understand, why do prayer, why was prayer to be put into, the, into this? Because that's what he wants to hear from, this, from the temple. We'll get to that next week. Let's look at one more. Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 11. Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 11. Ezekiel chapter 10. I'm going to show you one in Isaiah too. i passed that one, but I'll go back later. Ezekiel chapter 10. Now in Ezekiel chapter 10, we're going to look at one verse, and that's verse 1, I'm sorry. Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 1. Now, God's glory departed from this temple. Now this is an awesome thing to know the glory of the Lord left Israel, left the temple. It says, then I looked, and he he says, then I looked and behold, in the firmament in the heaven.'" that was above the head of the cherubims, there appeared over them as it were a sapphire stone and an appearance of the likeness of a throne. And he spake to the man clothed with the linen and said, Go in between the wheels, even under the cherub, and fill your hand with coals of fire from between the cherub and scatter them over the city. And he went in in my sight. Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in and the clothes filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord went up from, remember, from the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house and the house was filled with the cloud and the court was full of brightness of the Lord's glory. So, here, here we're going to see God's glory going to depart from the temple. What an awesome thing. The glory of God departed. That's why they use the word Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed from the temple. What's, what's an awesome thing to know that God's glory left Israel? Now, that's an awesome thing in Ezekiel. But let's back up. Let's back back to Isaiah 6. Isaiah chapter 6. See, you don't ever want God's glory to not be in your house. You want your house filled with glory. Look at Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. This is when God called Isaiah. Watch this. It was in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah says. I saw also the Lord. He saw the Lord in the temple. He said, I saw the Lord sitting up on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled. Watch this. The temple. Well, who is the temple in the new covenant? Us, the body of Christ. We are now the temple of the Lord. So guess what, guess where God at right now? He's in the house. He's in the temple. I just want to show you that. You can read the rest of that yourself. We're going to go back to Isaiah chapter, I'm sorry, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 43 and 5. Just want to, just prick your understanding a little bit today. Ezekiel chapter 43, and we're going to look at verse number 5. God's glory is going to fill the temple again. Remember, God's glory left the temple when we were back in chapter 10. But now we're down in Ezekiel chapter 43, and then in verse number 1. It says, and afterwards, he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looked toward the east. And behold, the glory of the Lord God of Israel came from the way. Of the east. And his glory was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision, which I saw even according to the vision I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the visions that I saw by the river Kiba. And I fell on my face, he says. And Ezekiel says, and the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the east, by the way of the east gate, whose prospect is toward the east. Whose prospect is toward the east. And then verse 5. So the Spirit took me up, brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now that's, that's just awesome to me. They could absolutely see the glory of the Lord filling the temple. Oh, what an awesome thing to know that God's glory filled this house, lived in this house. That's what he wants you to do. Not only have God's glory in you, he wants your, you to have the full spirit to walk in this thing. All right, look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. Habakkuk, we got to go, go forward. We're going to look at Habakkuk. Now, this is, this is an awesome thing. You're going to keep going. You're going to pass Daniel. You're going to, you're going to go down to Habakkuk. And this, this, is a, this is an awesome thing in Habakkuk. We're going to look at chapter 2, and we're going to look at one verse, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14. Habakkuk chapter 2. It says, for the earth shall be filled, watch this, with the knowledge of the glory. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that something? To know that the, that the earth shall be filled. See, otherwise everyone's gonna know the Lord. That's an awesome thing. God wants your house filled with knowledge. What, a, what an awesome thing. What an awesome thing. Look at Haggai chapter two. We leave in Habakkuk. We're going to Haggai. Haggai chapter number 2, and we want to look at verse 7. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 7. God said in verse number 6, let's back up a verse. God said in verse 6, For thus said the Lord of hosts, yes, once, it's a little while, and I will shake the heavens, <laughs> praise God, and the earth, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land, all three. One, two, three, four. Heaven, earth, sea, dry land. And I will shake all nations. Now, we, we saw this in the book of, of Revelation where he did that. God glory would fill the temple. Now, watch what happened. And I will shake all nations. And then in verse 7, it says, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill the this house with my glory. And verse 8 says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, said the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house, watch this, shall be greater than the former. Think about what I just said. The glory of the latter house, which is us, the body of Christ, shall be greater than that of the former house. My God Almighty. They saw the glory of the Lord fill the temple. Listen, it was so awesome until it was so much glory in the temple that they could not even see the minister. All they had to just stop and just worship the God of Israel. He filled the temple. And that's what God wants to happen in your life. He wants your house to be filled with the glory of the Lord. He wants you to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, not just a person. Sure, he wants you filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, but he wants you filled with the fruit of the Spirit. My God. He said, I will. Haggai to it. He said, I will fill this house with glory. It's glory to God. And verse 9 says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, said the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace said the Lord of hosts. And that's what happened. God filled your house with glory. Just like he did with the house. I I can say me. I can say me. He filled this house with glory. Come on, somebody ought to look at somebody out there and let them know God filled my house. Now, there's no need to say it if he didn't do it to you. But I know God came into my bedroom, walked, into my bedroom stood over me and filled me with his spirit until i passed out on the floor to the next morning and i had to reach at the bed and drag myself in the bed ever since that day i feel the glory of the lord upon me listen if he filled you with his spirit you know and if you have not filled you with his spirit Listen, just get with the Lord and say, look, I want you to fill me with your glory. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, ask him right now. Let him know right now. Lord, thank you. Just begin to thank him. Lord, thank you for filling me with your glory. And then you'll want the Lord to know, thank you for filling me with your fruit. Because I want to walk in your spirit. See, if you live in the spirit, you ought also to walk in the spirit. Praise God. God, God, everything, that everything, God hath blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Walk in it. Walk in it. All right? Now, watch what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 2. See, in Acts, chapter 2, the Lord did just that. Brother, what an awesome day to know these believers was waiting for that prophecy to be fulfilled. The Lord told them what he's going to do. And here it is in Acts chapter 2, and they was waiting on the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. You don't have to wait no longer. Just get up onto this word, begin to hear this word, and keep your spirit in a receptive mode in thanksgiving, and God will come into that house. But you got to first receive the blood. He can't come into your house without you receiving the blood. Remember, it's the blood that cleansed the temple. So he, he, if you receive Christ's death, man, and resurrection, you're receiving the blood. Now the blood means forgiveness. And you cannot receive the Holy Spirit without the blood or without God's forgiveness. That's why you got to believe in Christ's death, man, and resurrection before the Holy Ghost come in. I'm going to show you that in God's Word because that's what Paul's vision was in Acts 26 and verse 18. I'll go there next But here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Some people don't think the day of Pentecost has come yet. The day of Pentecost came 2,000 years ago, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. The feast, Pentecost was a feast. It was called the Feast of Pentecost. That's why Jesus had to leave in 40 days after his resurrection And then 10 more days, the Holy Ghost will come. Let's read that he came, with you. And when the day of Pentecost, watch this, was past 10, fully come, 2,000 years ago. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. I'll tell you, that sound, that same sound was in my bedroom. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and watch this, it filled all the house where they were sitting. Just like the glory filled the house in the days of Solomon. Just like the glory filled the house in the days of David. Just like the glory filled the house in the days of Moses. You go back and look at all these places where they would have the Ark of the Covenant and the testimony. The glory will come and fill the house. Whether it's Isaiah, Ezekiel, all the way, Christ himself. What you think when Christ came and was baptized by John the Baptist? The Holy Ghost came upon him. What was it telling you? That's the place of my glory. Holy Ghost came upon Jesus. Now Jesus is the one that baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Watch what it says. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled, it shouldn't be at, it should be he, praise God. And he filled all the house where they were sitting. They appeared to him cloven tongues as a fire and and, and, it sat upon, and he sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues that the Spirit gave them the utterance. What an awesome thing to know that when the Holy Ghost came upon them. Man, this is an awesome thing to be a witness of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and coming in your life. He wants to fear you, sir. He, ma'am, he wants you to be full of the Spirit. He wants you to be filled with the Spirit. Now, now let's, let's begin to look at this. He wants you to be filled with the Spirit. Now, I got to get this done because next week, possibly going to go to prayer, and it, that's why so many people are not able to pray, especially with thanksgiving, because they are not filled with the Spirit. Let me show you something in Colossians chapter 1. Let's go to that first. Colossians chapter number 1. Now, I know we started reading it this morning, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 9. That's what we was reading. But, but I want to show you something. We're we, we, we going to read verse 11 now today. Verse 11. I'm going to do verse 9, but I want to key on verse 11. So let's go back to verse 9. We already told you verse 8 said, Who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Now, verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding and that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, we didn't, we didn't do this verse, but I want to do it now. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Watch this. Unto all patience, and long-suffering. Watch this, with joyfulness. Now, when you read, when you read with joyfulness, there's a semicolon. So, what is, what is he giving you? He's not done. She so got to understand. If you read this, let me read out the NLT, because the NLT tell you with joyfulness, giving thanks. Well, if I'm a, if I got to give thanks with joyfulness, well, maybe that's why I'm having a problem. See, you're gonna have to have the fruit of the spirit, and let the Holy Ghost operate in you. Colossians chapter one and verse eleven. Watch this. Colossians chapter one verse eleven. It said, "We also pray that you will be strengthened with all His glorious power." We read the NLT. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you would have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Look what he says. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in his inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Isn't that something? God wants you to be thanking him, but with joy. He wants you to love what you're doing. Hallelujah. Now, let's go look at 1 Timothy. We're going to run through some of these. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 3. 2 Timothy, I'm sorry. We're going to do 2 Timothy. I'm sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 1. There we go. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Now watch, watch what this say. Verse 3 says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefather. Watch it now. He's going to tell you how he served God with pure conscience. See, so you serve God with your conscience. That's why you got to be saved or so you can serve God. Because what did God say? He saved your conscience. L- let me show it to you. Let me show it to you. Look at Hebrews. Hold your, hold your Bible. Hold your finger. We come right back. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. See, so you got to know what did God say. Verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to start reading verse 11. See, so you got to know what God said. See, when, God, when the Bible said God saved your soul, what part of your soul did he saved? save? saved your conscience. Why? Because that's where condemnation was, was in your heart. See, when Adam ate of the tree of neither good and evil, then what happened? His conscience was condemned. He had, con- he had condemnation in his conscience. He had guilt in his conscience. Now, that's why First John said, if your conscience condemn you, then God is greater than your conscience. See, if you're not saved, condemnation is in your conscience. That's why God had to save your soul, meaning he saved your conscience. He had to cleanse your conscience from sin. See, we got this thing out here, just baptize me in water in Jesus' name and and get rid of my sin. Sin sin is not on your flesh. (laughs) Sin is not on your flesh. Sins in your soul, it's in your conscience. That's why I keep telling you: you got to have the cross. Christ died for our sins. See, so you could not see his soul in the garden. His soul cried out in the garden because let me let me let me show, let me show you let me show you something. We come right back to Hebrews. Look at look at Isaiah. Look let me show you something. See see. This is what people are doing. People are trying to get baptized are baptize you in water until you're saved. Look at Isaiah chapter number 11. The book of Isaiah. I'm sorry, Isaiah 53. I'm in chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 53. Now watch what it says. We're going to start down in verse number 10. Isaiah 53, 10. We're going to wait on you. We're in the King James. See, you got to know what part of Jesus, why did Jesus have to die for our sins? Because the Bible said Christ died for our sins. But Jesus had to die also. You know why? Because Jesus represents the man, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has made him him to grief. He has put him to grief from sorrow. When thou shalt make, here it is, when thou shalt make his soul. So why was he crying out in the garden? Because he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What was crying out? His soul. But watch what it says. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. We in Isaiah 53 and 10. He has put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Now, how in the world are you going to tell a man you're going to be baptized in water in Jesus' name and get rid of your sin? Do you understand it took God's own son to come in flesh and offer his own soul up for the sins of the people? Are you kidding me? And people will sit up in there and die and go to hell, and you cannot be baptized in water and get rid of no sin. You can't eat no communion on the table, no bread on the table, and get rid of no sin. When are you going to wake up? What do you think the cross is for? Christ died on the cross to save you from your sins. Wake up. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail, the travail. Father, forgive them the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall his righteous servant, Christ Jesus, justify many. He shall bear their iniquity. Christ shall bear your sins. Give him the praise and not that dumb water. Man, you see people, they just fill a church up and say you're baptizing water in Jesus' name to get rid of your sin. Can't you read yourself? Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 11 says, he shall bear their iniquity. He shall bear your sins. Can't you see? Let's show you one more on the way back. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We headed back to where we were. Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5. Watch what this word says. And verse 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. We in the King James. It says, Wherefore, as by one man, one man, sin entered into the world. Well, who was that one man? Adam. Because the one man, Adam, sinned entered into the world. And watch this, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, because all of us were born through Adam. Then it says, for the, unto the law of sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. But verse 14 said, nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense. So also is a free gift. Somebody said, free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more, much more, the grace of God and the gift, somebody said the gift, The gift is by grace. God's righteousness, God's salvation for your life is by grace, which is by one man. Jesus Christ has abounded under many. Not as as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. When Adam ate of the tree of knowledge good and evil, he brought the human race into condemnation. But the free gift, but the free gift is of many offenses under the justification. For if, one, if by one man office death reign, much more they which receive the abundant of grace didn't tell you nothing about no water baptism, didn't tell you you got to eat no bread on the table. That's the religion of your church. For if by one man offense death reigned by one much more, they shall receive abundant of grace and the gift of righteousness. That gift of righteousness is the gift of forgiveness. How do I know you have received the gift of forgiveness? Because you don't go around every day asking God to forgive you your sins. now you came into a place of thanksgiving. So when you miss to Mark, Thank God for eternal redemption somebody say eternal redemption come on one more time eternal redemption now I'm gonna need somebody to find that because I want to give them that scripture eternal redemption maybe where I am going Hebrew, back to Hebrew 9 you got eternal redemption come on tell somebody I have eternal redemption eternal redemption is eternal forgiveness If I got eternal forgiveness, then i have forgiveness for my past, for my present, and for my future. I got eternal redemption. That means I got eternal forgiveness. So when I come short, when I fall short, oh, I'm not trying to walk in this stuff. I missed the mark. So I can thank God. He has given me eternal forgiveness. So I'm thanking him, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your righteousness, Father. Thank you for your peace, your joy. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. That's what you do. You thank God for what he's already done for you. See, I'm going to show that just a moment. But Romans chapter 5, I'm going to finish this, and I'm going to go to eternal redemption. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 18, Therefore, therefore, now verse 17, I didn't finish. It says, for if by one man's offense death reigned much more, they who receive abundant of grace of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came with all men to condemnation. There it is. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came. Oh, thank God for the free gift. Salvation is free. You got people out there telling you, yeah, you got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Listen, you don't have to confess and believe and hold on to your confession and, and, and blah, blah, blah. You got to get enough faith. Listen, salvation is free. Receive it. You go through Romans 10, 9 and 10, we used to do it. And when you finish your best shot, it's going to say, thou shall be saved. But if you'll take yourself over to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and read all the way down to verse number 10, verse 5, verse number 8, going to say, by grace, you were saved. When Christ died on the cross, he saved you. You don't have to hold on to your confession. That was not for you. That was for Israel, the church of God. Oh, I know you may, be, you may think this preacher don't know, but out of these 40 years, I learned some stuff. And one thing I learned, I learned how to be saved. And I found out why Jesus came. When you ever go back and preach Christ, and why did he come? He came to save me. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, by grace you are saved through faith. That's not in your psalm. You see what it says? It's the gift of God. Do, can you read? Salvation is free. Romans chapter 5. Let's finish this. Romans 5, verse 18. Therefore, by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to come to nation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men for one purpose. The justification of life made you right with God. For as by one man disobedience, many were made sinners. By the obedience of one man, shall many be made righteous. Through Adam he made you a sinner. When you receive Christ, God make you righteous. And here's, here's, here's the totality of it all. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But what sin abounded, can't you see the past tense where sin abounded, past tense? He didn't say sin is abounding. He said, well, sin abounded, past sin. Grace, much more abound. Isn't there some people still talking about sin? It's just like Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. Let's use that for example. Here it is, Muhammad Ali knocked out George Foreman with a, one of them tricky right hooks. And George Foreman held the ropes and he fell. And they... People get up later on and say, "Well, George Foreman was something, wasn't he? Why are you still talking about George Foreman? We got a new champion. See, here's Mohammed over in the the ring, jumping up and down. I shocked the world. I shocked the world. I'm the greatest ever lived. I shocked the world. How can you go brag on George Foreman? He just lost. See, that's what happened with sin. Christ came and he defeated sin, death, and the grave. We got a new champion. Would somebody tell you, somebody shout out that Jesus is the victory? Jesus got the victory. So we here bragging on sin, bragging on death. Bragging. Listen, that's why you're not getting nowhere. You got to give him the praise. He is the champion. He is the king of king and lord of lords. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power he went about doing good healing. All oh, that was oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, how we're going to tell you another chapter. Let me show you this chapter. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. I'm going to read it to you. You need, you need to mark this stuff in your Bible. you bragging on sin and all this other stuff. You tell people, well, you know, we still sin. No, you still sin. Praise God. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely. I'm um, letting everybody know us surely. That God has made that same Jesus here in the right corner. God has made that same Jesus who they crucified. He's now both Lord and Christ. Can somebody give him praise? Hallelujah. You still bragging on sin. He defeated sin. Well, let me show it to you. Praise God. We'll get back sooner or later. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at the last few verses. First Corinthians 15. It says in verse 54 This corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal have put on immortality. Then shall be brought the path of saying that it's written, Death, that is, is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. See, you don't think it really happened. You don't think it really happened. But my Bible says death is swallowed up in victory. Let me show it to you. Isaiah 25. Hold your finger. Go back to Isaiah 25. See, death is swallowed up in victory. See, that's why people don't want to pray. All you hear them talk about is baptizing, Jesus. Oh, my God, my God. You don't even know the story. Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Isaiah 25. Watch what he did. He's going to take care of the law and he's going to take care of death. Watch this. Mark your Bible before you won't think I'm just reading something, see? Isaiah chapter 25 verse 7. He will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering. Well, what was the face of the covering? It was the veil. What was the veil? It was the law. Cast over the people and the veil, there it is, that is spread over all nations. What is he talking about? He's talking about Israel, the twelve nations. They were under the law. And then he says, He destroyed the veil. We know that because when he was on the cross, the veil of the temple was written in twain. But watch this. He not only destroyed the veil, look at verse number eight. He will swallow up death. God almighty give him the praise, which you please give him the glory. He destroyed the veil of the law. He fulfilled it, removed it, and then it swallowed up death. See, you, 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 one day you was out there watching some stuff. You didn't know what you was watching. But this is what happened when, you, when you're watching something, you don't know what you're watching. We always watch the Ten Commandments. And when they, you watch the Ten Commandments, they took, on the Ten Commandments, they took their rod. Moses, throw down your rod. Moses took his rod threw the rod down on the floor. And then Pharaoh told Janus and Jambres, Janus and Jambres, throw down your rods. And they threw down their rod, two rods, and it was swallowed up. Moses' rod, watch this, swallowed up their two rods. There are two serpents. That's what he's talking about. The law and death. See, that's what God did on the cross. He swallowed up the law. He fulfilled the law. And then he sw- swallowed up death. Got to know what he did. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, it's written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse fifty-five. Oh, death, where's your stain? Oh, grave, where's your victory? See, you still telling the people that they got to go in the grave, get put in the casket, and they got to stay there till Jesus comes back. That's a lie. That's a lie. God never put, put no believer in no grave. You got victory over the grave. Jesus spent three nights, three days and three nights in the grave So you don't have to. Everything that he did, he did it so you don't have to do it. Jesus went to hell. You don't have to go. Jesus died and was put him in the grave for three days and three nights. So you don't have to go. Everything he did, he died, he buried and raised again from the dead for you. Give him the praise. Romans 4.25 says he was raised for our justification. Everything he did, he did it for us. You got to stop believing them lies. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us the victory on the cross. Can't you see we got a new champion? He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's both Lord and Christ. Give him some praise up in here. In verse fifty-eight, the Bible said, "Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the word of the Lord, in the work of the Lord." For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. See, let's go back. Hebrews. I got to finish my Hebrews. Anybody give me that eternal recovery? There it is down there. I'm going that way, ain't it? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. We're going to read all the way down to verse 13, and we'll be done for the day. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ, but Christ being coming high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered once by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place here it is having obtained eternal redemption well if jesus obtained eternal redemption what is eternal redemption eternal forgiveness Oh, my God. All you got to do is understand that God has, past tense, forgiven you. Eternal redemption, eternal forgiveness. He has already forgiven you. Let, let's go to work. Here it is. Verse 13. For you by the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified the pure and fire of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ Hallelujah. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offer himself without spot to God, purge your country. Remember I told you? He's the one that purged your country. This is how you save. now, if you're saved. Now, if you're thinking you can be water baptized and God purged your conscience, you've been lied to. God cannot save you until he... Cleanse your conscience. When the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, you have to already have believed the cross. Because when you believe the cross, his blood cleanses your conscience from dead works so you can serve the living God. Can't you see it on the screen? You can't serve God because you serve God with your conscience. Let me show it to you one more time. Paul said, who I serve with my conscience. What an awesome thing to know that I serve God. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy chapter number one. 2 Timothy chapter one, I thank my God, verse three. I want to make sure we put that up there again. 2 Timothy one and three. I thank my God whom I serve For my forefather, here it is, with pure conscience without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers, night and day. Greatly desire to see you, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. I serve God with my clean, pure conscience. Well, how are you going to get your conscience clear? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, much more shall the blood of Christ not water baptism, the blood of Christ. Not the bread on the table, the blood of Christ. Shall be through the eternal spirit Offering himself. Jesus died on the cross without spot. He purged our country from dead works so we can serve the living God. We can serve the living God. What an awesome thing to know what he has done. Come on, get the Lord a big hand for that work. Oh, my God, when you realize what God had done. That's why we keep going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's why we keep going there, because we don't want you to miss it. So many people are, are, are not saved because they think they can be baptized in water and be saved. Churches are filled, building, building bigger and bigger churches. Because people have been deceived. Broad is the way. Broad is the way. That leads to death. Narrow is the way to lead the life. So you can go by the cross to be saved. Or you can follow all the crowds who think they got to be baptized to be saved. They think you if you're not baptized, you can't be in their church. You think you're not baptized, you can't get rid of their sin. Everything is based on baptized in water in Jesus' name. That's not your salvation for the new covenant. 1 Corinthians 15, but I got it. I got it right here. I got it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I got it. I got that word for you. You may not want it right now, but I'm telling you right now, all we got to do is keep on going with this 200,000, which I hope not. You change your mind if you want to be saved. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also have received where where you stand by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preach to you otherwise you can't be going by Peter James and John Paul said what I preach to you if you keep in memory what I preach to you unless you have believed in vain in verse 3 it says I deliver you first of all that which I also received how Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried he rose again the third day or call the That's how you say. saved. You're saved by the cross. You need to receive them right now. My time is up, and I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, Be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.